Good morning. I'd like to ask uh, Noah Strikesman to come up here and also Titus Hittinger to come up here. Got a little object lesson. These young men are going to help me. Right there, buddy. You want to stand right here for me? And Noah right here. Right here. So today we're going to talk about uh, the resurrection of Jesus. And uh, these little these young men here are going to help me. By the way, you might not know, but it's Noah's birthday today. Nine years old. Everybody's happy birthday. Okay, so what I want you guys to do, so we're going to talk about life. Uh, we all know that Jesus, as we've been singing about today, uh, died on the cross for our sins. Three days he was in the tomb, and then he was rose from the dead. So we're going to be talking about life. The object lesson I have for these guys here is, okay, buddy, can you hold this one right here for me? Just hold it right here. And Noah, I want you to take that, and I want you to walk as far as you can, slowly there. See how far she goes. Right there. Okay, so we've got about 12 feet. So what we know about life is our life here on this side of life is very short compared to eternity. So you think about on the 12-foot measure here, we are in about an inch of our life, our real life. Eternity goes on forever and ever and ever. Right? Come back a couple feet. Sometimes, keep coming, sometimes, right there, life gets cut short for some of us. I hope to live 80, 90, 100 years old. It'd be great. But you never know, right? Because keep coming back. It might get cut even for some even shorter yet. But eternity, it just keeps going and going and going and lasts forever. That makes sense? Okay? Come on back. Okay, let's hold this. Now, this one, can you figure that one out? <laughs> Same type of ruler. Life gets complicated. Oh, man. Right? It gets a little bit complicated. So let me help you. But Jesus has made it so we put our faith in him. See how it goes? And life just keeps going. Keep going. See if you can figure that out. Keep going. There we go. There we go. Eternity keeps happening. On this earth, it gets complicated. But with Jesus... As our ruler and our commander, when eternity happens and we spend the rest of our life with Jesus, it's no longer complicated. That's the real life. And as hard as life can be here on this earth, and as complicated as it gets, don't worry about it. Because eternity is right around the corner. Some fa- faster than the others. You want to close it now? Now we know why. They made this. <laughs> right? Huh? Okay. There we go. What does eternity look like? A couple more. Okay, so Noah, it's your birthday. Which one do you want? Good choice. Twelve fifty on eBay right now, by the way. So that's a good one to choose. <laughs> Happy birthday. You may go. Buddy, you can have this one. Go ahead and see mom and dad. <laughs> Okay, one of my favorite stories when I was teaching up in Jam is the crucifixion. Uh, once Jesus was crucified, so many things happened um, in that three-day, 40-day period that just intrigues me. And so we're going to talk about that today and, why, uh, and talk about why it's important to us um, and what's it look like for our future. I'm going to be... Uh, Last week, uh, Pastor Dave spoke on one, one verse. 
Talk about impressive. I'm going to be speaking on four Gospels. Okay? And so it's just, it, it, the Gospels, each one of the Gospels is just a little bit different. And so I'm going to be bringing all four Gospels together. And I want to tell you the story of the, the tomb is empty. And I've titled this message called, The Angels Announce That Jesus Has Risen From the Dead. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. If you want to open your Bibles, Luke chapter 24, you can kind of follow along on that. That's kind of where we're going to be today as I read the story of the resurrection. Luke chapter 24. I apologize, there are no notes today. We had a mix-up with the office and no PowerPoint. So you get to listen to me, okay? You get to listen to me, you don't have to write right now unless you want to take notes. So, Okay, here's the story. Jesus' body was hastily placed in a tomb on Friday afternoon. There was no time to properly prepare the body for burial with spices and ointments according to the Jewish customs. No work could be done on the Sabbath. So that task had to wait till Sunday. Early Sunday morning, Mary Magdalene and several other women went to the tomb with the spices that they had prepared. When they arrived, they found the tomb had been opened already. When they went in, they did not find Jesus' body, and they wondered what happened to it. Suddenly, two angels in dazzling white clothes were there. The women were terrified, but the angels said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Then they said, Remember? Remember how he told you. And you think about this story. How many, Jesus, how many times did Jesus tell the disciples and his friends what was going to happen? This is not news to them, but yet they weren't ready for it. Remember how he told you that he would be turned over to sinful men, be crucified, and rise again on the third day. In Luke 24, verse 8, it says, And they remembered his words at that point. The women ran back to tell Jesus' apostle what they had seen. Peter and one of the other apostles, which did not believe her, ran to the tomb to see for themselves. They looked in. They saw the cloths that Jesus' bodies had been wrapped in, but no one else was there. Then they went home, marveling at what had happened. When Peter and the other apostles went home, Mary Magdalene stayed outside the tomb, and she was crying. Suddenly... She saw Jesus standing there, but she did not recognize him at first. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you crying? Who are you looking for? Mary thought he must have been the gardener and said, Sir, if you have taken him away, tell me where, and I will take him. Jesus said, Mary, can you, can you hear that? Mary. And then she, wow, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. She recognized him. She said, Master, teacher. Jesus says, don't hold on to me, because I have not yet returned to the Father. But go to my disciples and tell them, I am ascending to my Father, and your Father, my God, and your God. I think of that time when Jesus went up to see God. Would it be really cool to have a body cam on him? Do you think we could even imagine what that reuniting must have looked like? My guess is our brain couldn't handle it. But I can just only imagine what it would be like. Then Mary Magdalene went and said to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. I have seen Jesus. And she told them everything that happened. They did not believe her, by the way. Later that same Sunday, two of Jesus' disciples, Cleophas and another man, were walking along the road to a village, which was about seven miles away. 
from Jerusalem. All day they had been t- talking and wondering about the things that had happened that weekend. Suddenly, Jesus was with them walking along, but they did not recognize him. What are you talking about as you walk along? He asked. The two disciples looked at him. Are you the only one in all of Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have happened there in the last few days? Jesus said, What things are you talking about? The things about the Jesus of Nazareth, who was a great prophet before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be crucified. We had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides that, it is now the third day since all this has happened, and some of the women in our group has amazed us. They went to his tomb early this morning, but they did not find his body. They came back and told us that they had seen angels there who said he was alive. Some of those who were with us ran to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But they did not see Jesus. Then Jesus said to the two guys, Oh, you are so foolish and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Wasn't it necessary for Christ to suffer those things and enter into his glory? As they came near the village, the two disciples said to Jesus, Stay with us, because it is late, and the day is now nearly over. So Jesus went in to stay with them. As they were eating, Jesus took the bread, blessed it and broke it, and gave it to them. And suddenly, they recognized him, and poof, he was gone. He disappeared. How cool would that be, huh? How cool would that be? He was gone, right in front of their eyes. The two, the two disciples quickly returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven apostles and some of Jesus' other followers gathered together. The apostles told the two guys, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Peter. Then the two disciples said, Wait to hear what happened to us. Let me share us. So they shared what happened to them on the road. That same Sunday evening, most of the apostles were together. They had locked themselves into a room in fear that the religious leaders would want to crucify them next. Suddenly, Jesus was there among them again. He said, peace be with you. They were frightened. They were scared. Jesus showed them the wounds from the crucifixion in his side and in his hands. The apostles were overjoyed to see Jesus alive. Jesus said again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. In John 20, verse 22, he says, And when he had said this, he breathed on them to receive the Holy Spirit. He breathed on them to receive the Holy Spirit. The apostles Thomas was not with the others when Jesus appeared to them. So the others told him, We have seen the Lord. He is alive. But Thomas said, By the way, be careful what you say. Because it could be handed down to generation, generation, generation and follow you. He said, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and I put my finger in the nail holes and my hand in the wound in his side, I will not believe. Somebody else heard that. Jesus heard that. Eight days later, the apostles, by the way, John twenty twenty six. it says, eight days later, the apostles were again locked in the same room and Thomas was with them this time. Jesus again came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then Jesus went right to Thomas. Put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand in my side. Don't doubt it anymore, Thomas. Believe. Thomas said, my Lord and my God. 
And Jesus said these words. Have you believed because you have seen? The next phrase is for us, by the way. Blessed are those who have not seen, but have believed. Do we believe? Acts 1.3 says this. Jesus remained on the earth for 40 days after he was resurrected from the dead on, the, on that Sunday morning. He appeared again to the apostles at the Sea of Tiberias and on a mountainside in Galilee. He also appeared to more than, five, more than 500 others that saw him alive. That's in 1 Corinthians 15.6. A couple of questions. What does this mean? Why is this so important to us? Because a lot of people believe in the resurrection. They just don't understand it. They don't understand how it affects a Christian. George Gallup did a poll a few years ago and said that 84% of the people who never go to church believe in the resurrection. It's an historical fact. It happened right in front of people. The whole city of Jerusalem knew about it and eventually the whole Roman Empire. It was big news. If it happened today, the news would be talking about it. I'm not sure it would be true news, but they would be talking about it. Okay? You wonder how they would, whose side they would have jumped on. You know? There are many references to Jesus meeting people, touching people, and talking to people. 1 Corinthians 15, 5 through 8 says he saw Peter, then he saw the 12, then to more than 500 then to James, then to all the apostles, and, and also to Paul. That is proof that he was alive. That is proof that he is alive. Jesus is who he claimed to be. Jesus has, has the power he claimed to have. And Jesus does exactly what he promises to do. John eleven twenty five. I am the resurrection and the life. He believes in me. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. Jesus made some outrageous claims when he was on this earth. He said things like, I am God. I am perfect. I'm the only way to heaven. And I am the savior of the world. Those claims, if they were being mentioned today, people would probably treat him the same way. He claimed to be God. He claimed to be perfect. He is the only way to heaven, and he is the Savior of the world. A lot of people try to make Jesus a good teacher, but a good teacher would not make those claims, only God himself. In the world's eyes, Jesus is either who he claims he is, or he was a fraud. And we know today with the proof that the Bible tells us he is not a fraud. John fourteen six. I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the way. I am the life, excuse me. No one can get to the Father, no one can get to God, the Father, except by means of me. That's a strong claim. He said, I am the way. He didn't say, I'm one of the ways. He says, I am the way. I am the truth. There is no other way. Jesus shows us that he had the power he claimed to have. In Matthew 28, 18, he says this. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority 
on heaven and on earth has been given to me. Because he is God, he could do everything God could do. John 10.18 says this. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. No force could keep him in that tomb. You, you think about the, 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 that timeline, and they put a rock in front of the tomb. You think that would keep God out of the, out of the tomb? It's almost funny to think about it, you know? No force to keep in the tomb. The Romans killed him. They tried to break every bone in his body. They put a spear into him. They put him in the tomb. They put a big stone in front of the tomb. Then they sealed it with a Roman seal and put 24-hour guards in front of it. They were only trying to prevent the inevitable. He had all the power in the world. He said, they can't stop me. I can give my life away, but I can take it back again. Jesus does exactly what he promises to do. Mark 10.34 And they will mock him, and they will spit on him, and they will flog him, and they will kill him. But after three days, he will rise again. The cross was no surprise to Jesus. He knew it was going to happen. It was all part of God's plan. Matthew 28, 5 through 6. But the angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen. As he said, Come, see the place where he lay. Jesus did what he promised he would do. When God makes a promise, you can count on it happening. Jesus did rise from the dead. He is who he said he was. He has the power he said he had, and he keeps the promises he makes. Why is the resurrection important? Jesus is who he claimed to be. He has the power he claimed to have. Jesus does what he promised to do, which makes the way that our past, our sins, are to be forgiven. This is the good news, folks. If you think about this, For us who are believers, past, present, future sins are all forgiven. I mean, that is time to celebrate. It's time to get the Martinelli's out. It's time to put on your best clothes. It is time to celebrate knowing everything we do that is wrong. If you have Jesus in your heart and you strive to do what is right, it has been nailed to the cross. Ken Awesome sins, nailed to the cross. Lesbury sins, nailed to the cross. Spencer sin, nailed to the cross. Is that reason to celebrate? Absolutely. Our sins are nailed to the cross. Have you ever been halfway through a project? Say you paint a house. It didn't happen to me, but a friend of mine painted his house once. He came home halfway through, and he looked at it and goes, Oh, man, that don't look very good. Halfway through a project and decide that's not right. I think a lot of people look at life that way. They get halfway through their life, and they look back and say, Man, I wish I could have done things differently. You know, this last week, I gained a year. For some reason, the last year and a half, two years, I thought I was 56 years old this year. And I found out I'm 55. So I have gained a year. Okay? I've been putting my 10-year 
life in, you know, in order. I've been trying to think about the retirement and how much time I have to raise this much money and everything. And I thought I only had nine years to, to finish that. Now I got ten. <laughs> That's a good thing, right? Because I needed ten. <laughs> yeah, I should have started earlier. Anyhow, we all have things we wish we would have done. We all have things we, we wish we wouldn't have said. We all have thoughts in our mind. We say, why did I think that? Why are those thoughts in my mind? We all have regrets. We all feel bad about things. And we all have guilt. But remember, Les, it's nailed to the cross. Nailed to the cross. Jason, it's nailed to the cross. Jesus did that for us. A great verse. You should write this down if you have a pen. Colossians 2.14. This is the good news. This is why we bring out the Martinelli's. This is why we bring out the, the best clothes we can. By canceling, the, uh, by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with his legal demands, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Nailing it to the cross. Colossians 2.14. That is God's promise to us. That is the reason for the death burial and resurrection Jesus saved us of our sins he says he nailed it all to the cross Jesus paid for my guilt that means I don't have to pay for it I don't have to pay for it he took care of it for me Jesus Christ was nailed to the cross so I can quit nailing myself to the cross that doesn't mean you can go on and sin and sin and sin and sin that is not in our nature when we have the Holy Spirit in us he says he wants to cancel every record of our debts you owe. Emotional debts, relational debts, every sin in your life, if you believe, has been nailed to the cross. All sins canceled and forgiven. Once it's paid, you can forget it. Have you ever had a bill that you paid? PSE bill. Just write a check, you send it to them, and then you worry about that bill for another week or two? No, it's paid for Students, if you paid off your college education, it's done. You write the last check. Do you worry about that bill ever again? No, don't have to. If you have a car payment and you write out the last check, you get the title in the mail, which is a very good feeling, by the way. All right? Okay? You get that in the mail. Do you worry about that payment ever again? No, it's been paid for, right? That's what Jesus did for us. Because Jesus is who he says he was, our past is forgiven, and we don't have to carry that load of guilt anymore. Romans 8.1, there is no condemnation awaiting for those who believe belong to Christ. Did you hear that? There is no condemnation awaiting those who believe in Christ. Another reason to celebrate, folks. The Bible is full of reasons to celebrate, and we should be celebrating all the time. It is wiped clean. You can walk out of here today knowing that every single one, every single thing you did wrong is completely forgiven. Time to celebrate. Time to celebrate. No condemnation, he said. I didn't come to condemn the world. I came to save it. John 3.17, by the way. He wants to give us life, to help us manage this life, and give you a new beginning and a clear conscience. Accept him and receive the gift. If you already have the gift, we should be sharing it with everybody. Every, invite everybody to your party, folks, and share in that gift. My present problems can be managed because I have Jesus in my heart. Sometimes life seems to imagine, it seems to be unmanageable. 
especially if you're, if you're a parent. There's a timeline in there. Things just sometimes get tough. But life is tough at times. I'm not sure who made this comment, but I thought it was good. Maturity is when you figure out that you can't have it figured out. Maturity is when you figure out that you can't have it figured out. Maturity is when you realize that you can't manage all that life is going to send you. But God will be there for us. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, for that reason. Have you ever thought of yourself, my life is out of control? About three, four weeks ago, Dave stood up here and he says, have you ever asked God, why is this happening to me? I can think of three times in my life that's happened to me. Three times. Each time, each one of those times, it brought me to my knees. Each one of those times, I was in a quiet room by myself, on my knees, Each one of those times I had worship playing, great worship music. Each one of those times I was, it was an emotional time for me. I remember yelling, why is this happening to me? I'm not sure I have the right to say that, by the way, but I did it. I can remember that time I said that, and all of a sudden I said no more, and I could hear the Holy Spirit loud and clear. It's not about you. I was waiting for you to come right here. Right here. And if we listen to the Holy Spirit, I guarantee you will hear him talk. If you have these problems, if you, if you have a time in your life you feel that way, may I suggest something? Go find a quiet room. Close the door. Get rid of your cell phone, by the way. Don't even bring it in that room. Just you and God. Good worship music, the Bible, and say, okay, God, what do you want me to know? And then stop there and listen to the Holy Spirit. All of a sudden, things come in. Yes, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He brings things to your attention. It was one of the most, I'd say, rewarding times, each one of those three times, because I had the answers I needed to do. And most of it was very personal. I had just had to step back and let God take over. Ephesians 1.20. He worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead, and he seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. We're talking about God and all his power. That same power that enabled Jesus to rise from the dead will help you rise with your problems. If you have Jesus in your heart. That same power that God uses at the resurrection time, 2,000 plus years ago, can be used in our lives right now. We don't know what the future holds. I don't know what's going to happen next year. I don't know what's going to happen next month. I don't know what's going to happen this week. I hope today to take a nap. Okay? I hope today to play with my grandkids before they go home. But I don't even know if that's true. We just don't know what's going to happen. Life is not guaranteed. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm sure some didn't want to come today. And that's okay. But let me tell you, if life is tough, this is the best place to come. To be with family. To be a family. To have hope through Jesus Christ. No problem is too big for God. No situation is hopeless if you'll turn it over to him. 
Why does the resurrection matter? About a month ago, I was doing a call to worship, and I made a comment. You know, as we worship here, ask God to bring somebody to your, to your mind who you should talk to about Jesus Christ. Remember that? And I made a comment. He brought a name right now to me. I remember that comment, you know. So I went home. I, I know I was talking to my wife about it here. It was a couple of days after that before I had a chance to talk to that gentleman he brought to my mind that I found out he ended his life. And I did not have the opportunity. And now today, he's gone. We don't know when life's going to end. Why does the resurrection matter? Because my past is forgiven, my present can be managed, and my future, it is secure. It is already written in the book of life. One of the universal problems in our life here is that we are all going to die. I'm sorry for the bad news, but we are all going to die. There's no way around it. Some, you know, we could live 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 years. Uh, some are taken home short. Some have a long life. Ben Knight had a long life. Okay? But other ones are taken home short. The cool thing is, is on this earth, for us believers, is death is our reward. Right? So we here on this earth, as we say goodbye, are sad because they're gone. But man, they're in heaven enjoying their reward from Jesus Christ. About a month ago, I was at home, and I was on my computer, and I got a private message. And it was from a friend. Hadn't seen this friend for a long time. Went to school with her. And also, we were raised next door to each other. And uh, all of a sudden, I said, hi, Ken. Again, I was shocked, taken back. I said, hey, how are you doing? And she said something to the fact of, I'm doing okay. I said, I wrote down good memories when we were kids. We had, our families did a lot together. And I said, you know, lots of good memories. She says, well, hang on to them because I'm dying. And I looked, I said, how do I respond to that? I'm dying. And I said, I'm sorry. I says, are you ready for your next life? And she came back and said, yes. And I, I remember my wife was in, I said something to her. And I said, uh, I, I typed it back, said, we'd love to come pray with you. I'd love to come read scripture to you. I don't know how long it's going to happen. You know, I'd love to come. No more, no more comments. I said, just let me know if I can come. No more comments. I said, I'll wait to hear from you. No more comments. And I heard she passed away from that point on. Okay. I would have liked that last time to say something to her. Okay. You know, as we lose a loved one, I cannot imagine being a non-believer that doesn't have Jesus as our personal Savior to figure out how to cope with it. We get busy. Our life is very, very busy. And we wait for things to happen. We prepare our life for things to happen. We build our family. We build our kids. We build our, our finances. But in the end, none of that matters. My dad told me, um, as I'm preparing for the next 10 years, let me just tell you something. If you can figure a way right now not to work, don't work. Because when you're my age, my job doesn't matter to me anymore. It's all the time I spent as a family. So he says, if you could deal with a lot less, 
even if you have to sell the house and move into an apartment and you can enjoy your family and everything else, do it. Because when you're my age, he said, that job is not going to make the difference anymore. We work so hard to make money. We work so hard to prepare for our life, to make sure we have that in order. But when it's over, none of that's going to matter for us. Our life with Jesus is what matters. John 17, 20 through 26. I'd like you to turn into that passage, please. John 17, if you'd turn there for me. We're going to close with this. This is a prayer that Jesus gave us about us. This is right before his betrayal and arrest. This is what it says. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them, even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. We're going to be celebrating communion here. Worship team, you can come on up. Elders, you can come on up. We've been talking about the death and burial resurrection from call to worship, into worship, and now by the message. As we talk about the communion and we look at the communion, what does it matter why we take communion? Sometimes we get so busy here at the church that communion is just a thing to do. Let's make sure it's not just a thing to do. Let's make sure as he passes out the bread that we understand that's his body that he broke for us. That's his body that was beaten beyond any one of us that could ever take for us. The juice is his blood that he shed. Jesus died on the cross for our sins, and today we get to celebrate by, by the serving of communion. Jason's going to lead us into a song. It's a great worship song, by the way. I encourage you just to listen, close your eyes, and say, Father, what do you want me to know? And see what the Holy Spirit brings to your attention. And then prepare yourself for communion. I promise you if we can do that more often... You're going to listen more often to the Holy Spirit. Jason, go ahead and lead us in worship. There's one more promise coming. Jesus is coming back. Thank you. Acts 1, 6 through 11 says this. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, 
Will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said this, when he had said these things, as they were looking on to him, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were amazed and gazing into heaven, behold, two men stood by them in the white robes and said this, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. That day is coming. It could be today. For the final day is coming, and we all want to hear the words, Well done, thou good and faithful one. Come on in, and let the eternal party begin. Let's celebrate life today. Father, thank you for the communion we just took. For Jesus. For his love for me. For his love for these people. How he was brutally beaten and murdered. But he didn't stay there, Father. He was raised from the dead. And his everything he said he would do has happened. The amount of people that saw him, Father, and they shared it through the word of God. It's an amazing story that we believe today. We look forward to Jesus coming back to take us home. We look forward to reuniting with our loved ones that we've said goodbye to. We look forward to meeting Jesus on our knees and worship him as a king he is. Thank you for this opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for coming. The benevolent offering is in the back. Uh, again, thank you for coming. You're dismissed.